Hey everybody, this is Pastor Chad, and you are listening to The Way Radio Podcast. I'd like to wish everybody a happy new year. Today is January 2nd, 2020, and today I'm going to be sharing my sermon on the podcast from last Sunday. Uh, so if the audio quality is, is not the best, I apologize, but please bear with it. I think it's a very important message uh, in the decade that we are now beginning. It's entitled Romans 12, 2 in the decade to come. So please listen in. Today's message is entitled Romans 12, 2 in the decade to come. And I was really trying to think of what I wanted to preach on the last Sunday of 2019, especially with all the opportunities that we have going into the new year. And, and then especially as we're beginning a new decade. And I actually, I, I had like two or three sermons going. I didn't like any of them. And then yesterday, all of a sudden, it just, the Holy Spirit was like Romans 12 too. It's, it's perfect, um, I think, as something for us to really meditate on and to use to create a vision as we go into the new decade. Uh, but before I get into that, I just want to preface it with a, a brief introduction. Like I said, a new year and a new decade will begin in just a few days. And it's interesting, if you look back over the last hundred years or so, each decade is remembered in its own way. And I just finished a, a book a couple months ago that was uh, just a beautiful explanation of the history of the church from Christ's ascension, right, from the crucifixion, the birth of the church up until the present times. And it was really interesting just to see how certain things have stayed the same in the church, certain uh, problems that we've had in the church have always been there. Uh, but one thing that really struck me is how the church exploded in growth at its, at its beginning because of persecution. And then for hundreds of years, the church was really prevalent throughout society. And the church just grew and flourished. And then as we moved out of the 1700s and into the 1800s, after the, the Reform, Reformation in the late 1500s, um, it seemed like you could just see in history this, this confusion starting to come in. And the way I explain it is like the church became smaller as it went forward. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, and she, made, she said, you know, I heard Charles Spurgeon state the fact one time that uh, he believes there will be many more saved in the kingdom than there are in hell over the history of the world. And that's because Christ is victorious. And she said, but I just don't know how that could be when you look around and see how many, how much, how many people are lost and how much apostasy is, is in the church. And I said, well, I think what he said is true if you look at the church through a historic perspective. But in the age that we're in right now, that's very hard to understand, you know, when you see such a small, true church and such a vast apostate church. But I still think his observation was true, but it's hard to us to understand in the age in which we live unless we look at things over a, through a historical perspective. So each decade, it's, it's interesting, is remembered in its own way. And if you just look back over the 1900s, at the very beginning of the 1900s, we had World War I, which was horrific. If you read uh, anything about World War I, it was just a horrific experience that the soldiers went through because the destruction and the death that prevailed was on a scale that we'd never experienced before. 
because of modern technology. So it was like a, a turning point in warfare. And then the Roaring Twenties were totally the opposite of that, much like the, the period that we've had now, where a lot of frivolity, a lot of just uh, live for the world, don't worry about tomorrow. And then that fell apart in the 30s with the Great Depression that happened in 1929. And then World War II at the end of the 30s and, and through the 40s. And then the 50s, which were in a way a lot like the 20s. You know, you see these cycles through history. The, his, the 50s, I didn't live through them, but, but they seemed like a period just where everybody was happy, the country was growing, everything seemed like it was going to be good forever. And then the 60s, and you started seeing what? Human nature really start creeping in. Drugs, uh, the whole sexual revolution. The 70s were, were that on, pretty much just continued that same uh, vein. And then the 80s, again, were a lot like the 50s and the 20s. Just an area of uh, fun and frivolity. And then the 90s, again, were a little bit darker, a little bit more serious. But as I was going through this and I was thinking about this yesterday, I realized that as we look back over these decades, we seem to remember decades of recent history through politics, current events, movies, television, music. You know, we've all experienced that constantly. You hear a song and it takes you back to 85 or 92 or whatever it is. You know, you hear Zeppelin and it takes you back to the 70s. You know, so as Americans, especially, we relate so much to the last hundred years through these societal influences. But what really struck me is the decades since 2000 are not that clearly defined. There's only been two, but I don't see a huge difference between 2000 to 2010 and 2010 to where we're at now going into 2020. It's all sort of been the same. I don't know why that is. I think a lot of it has to do with technology. It's like I've said, I think technology is doing something very sinister and destructive um, on a societal level morally, and it's changing the way people think. And I think that may have a lot to do with it because we have been in an age of technology since the mid to late 90s that really kicked in in the 2000s. So we seem to remember decades from a societal perspective rather than a church perspective. Because even as Christians, I'll admit as a pastor, if I look back over those time periods, you don't remember what the church was like through those times. You see, we see things, things societally, but not really as a church. It's just, I don't know what, I, I don't even know what the point is I'm trying to make of this. It's just interesting to consider that. Is that a wrong or is that a right? Should the church have more influence on our society? And I think it plays into the fact, like I said, that the church is minuscule, the true church, in the overall picture right now. And that could be the reason for that. But we live in a confusing and we live in an insane time just read a story this morning where, you know, another guy in England um, somehow gave birth, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, I mean, it's literally, it's insanity that, that we're seeing on so many levels. So what might the coming decade be like for us as a church, as a ministry, as families, and as individuals? It's just something to really think about as we move into the next 10 years, you know. How are we going to function as Christians? What are things going to be like for us as a church as we go forward? And I believe that a vibrant faith, an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, abiding in his word, and the command of Romans 12, 2 will strengthen and sustain and bless us through the coming decade. 
think Romans 12, 2, with the gospel, will be very important. I think it will be one of the most important verses in scriptures in scripture going into the years that we're going into. As you guys know, it's 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 basically my life verse. It's our it's been our ministry verse since we started our church. Um, which fascinates me because I didn't even give it a lot of thought. When we were starting this whole thing, I just was reading Romans and I hit that verse and I thought, that's it. That explains everything that I feel needs to be done in ministry. And it's and it's grown stronger since then. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I just want to, it's a very simple sermon, I just want to look at each section of Romans 12, 2. And I've preached on this twice before over the last three or four years, but I'm doing it in a different way this time. If we look at the first section, do not be conformed to this world. The first thing we notice is Paul is not giving us advice. He's not giving us a plan for living. He's giving us a direct command. He's not saying, do your best to not be conformed to the world. You know, the world can mess up your walk with Christ. He's just flat out saying, do not be conformed to the world. It's a command that he's given to individual Christians and the church. And when he says, do not be conformed to this world, this world can mean, obviously, this world, also this age. All through Scripture, we read about this age and the age to come. This means this age, the spirit of this age, and the spirit of the world are all encapsulated in that word world. And if we truly abide in Christ and he abides in us, we will not be conformed to this world. It will be something that happens naturally. As Christians, if we're seeking to truly follow Christ, we will automatically reject the things of the world. Matthew 6, 22 through 24 says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be, will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, or mammon, or the world. So Paul's and John both are very much making, or Matthew both are very much making the point that you cannot have the world and you cannot have Christ. You cannot mix it. And what have we seen, again, if you go back to church history? Attempt after attempt, year after year, to try to figure out how to have everything the world can give you while still claiming the name of Christ. Huh? Yeah, the majority of the modern church is conformed to the world. Vast majority. Um, so we've seen that since the beginning. So he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So he's telling us, the way that we're not conformed to the world is through some type of transformation that has to happen within us, or we will be conformed to the world. The Greek word for transform, that, that was transform is representing the Greek word metamorpho, which is where we get the word metamorphosis, a change in outward appearance. And what's interesting about this, so be transformed, you're not going to be conformed to the world. You're going to be transformed. You're going to be have a metamorphosis, a change in outward appearance. What's interesting is that same word, metamorpho, 
is the same word that's used in Matthew 7, 12, or 17, 2. Matthew 17, 1 and 2 says, And after six days Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured, metamorphosed, before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. So at the transfiguration, Christ displayed outwardly his inner divine nature and glory when he was transfigured before them. And that's the same word that Matthew uses in the previous section. So what that tells us is as Christians, we should display outwardly our inner redeemed natures, the spirit and life and light of Jesus Christ within us. So what it's saying is the only way that you're going to not be conformed to this world and you're going to appear to be Christ-like on the outside is if you truly are on the inside. It's the only way it's going to happen. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So what are we talking about here? We're told to be commanded to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. But how does it come about? Through blessing, through grace. Again, we get back to grace and blessing. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By the renewal of your mind. Colossians 3, 8 through 10 says, But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So if we're going to be renewed, we're renewed through knowledge. Knowledge of what? God. Theology. Again, we come right back to the word. And then verse 16 in Colossians 3. Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So his word must be dwelling in us in order to be transformed, in order to not be conformed to this world. Our minds are renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the study of God's word, meditating on the scriptures. This is why I constantly harp on the fact that we've got to get back as a church completely to understanding the authority and the sufficiency of scripture. And we've got to defend that doctrine because that's gone from the majority of the modern church. Like I said, one of the things that shocked me the most over the last five or six years is debating pastors defending false teachings. And when you get to the authority and sufficiency of scripture, they either don't have any idea what you're talking about or they outright reject it, or they basically act like you're a dinosaur that just stepped out of the 1500s. People don't worry about that anymore, you see? I don't know how many people in Christian leadership have told me that I take scripture too seriously, legalistic, pharisaic, you see? If we understood and we agreed with and we defended the authority and sufficiency of scripture, the church would be much more true and pure than it is right now. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. And this is where people 
might misunderstand this. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God. This is a different type of testing than what James writes about. He's not talking about trials. This could be through trials, but he's talking about literally testing things in the right way. We're told to test everything, and this is going to be huge in this coming decade, I can tell you. We need to constantly be testing everything. The majority of the modern church is the unsaved being led by the unsaved, the blind leading the blind. Therefore, the majority of what is put out as Christian is not. We need to test everything, and we need to be wise and discerning. Somebody shared something with me the other day. They, they sent a bunch of pictures of Charisma magazine from like the last year. And if I'm not mistaken, every cover had a heretic on it. <laughs> it was like, it was amazing, you see? I mean, that is the condition of the church that we're going to be battling against going into the next 10 years. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. We know the will of God through his word, and therefore we test everything according to God's word. You start doing this and just see how people react when you just don't take something at face value. They think you're being judgmental. They think you're being cruel. But all through scripture, we see it happening. Paul would go into the synagogues in the book of Acts, and he would teach. And then it said they would... The next day, they're like, okay, we want to hear more. Why? Because they were testing what he was teaching. This lines up with Scripture. He's teaching what lines up with Scripture. You see? The Bereans were commended for doing that, for testing what they were taught. Like I've told you guys, if I ever say something that seems unbiblical, test it. There's nothing wrong with going up to a Christian pastor and saying, I'm not sure what you, that one point you made today was biblical. Can we look at that? Open up the Word and look at it. If you made a mistake... Make a mistake. You see? Admit it. That we are to test everything. So that by testing made assure what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, striving to live a life that is morally and spiritually pure, which will be a direct contradiction to this world. That is nonconformity. Are we going to live perfectly holy and perfectly pure? No. We're going to stumble. We're going to mess up. But that's our aim going forward, is to live as holy and as pure in a way that's acceptable and perfect to God as we go forward, striving to be conformed to the image of Christ. So with that in mind, I just wanted to pose a few questions. And this is going to be what I focus on in Kenya. I already have decided that. I just want to take Romans 12, too, and just build on it with the gospel out there, because this is so needed. What might define the 2020s on December 29th, 2029, when we're looking back, like we're looking back on the previous 10 years that we're leaving right now? Just look at what's going on politically, economically, spiritually, morally, in the world, and in our country, and just try to think, okay, what are, what What's, what will have transpired exactly 10 years from today? What might this 10 years have held? 
What might be the condition of the Christian church? Will it continue to slide into apostasy to become more worldly? Will it repent, come back to Christ? Will Christianity still be tolerated, or will it be mostly illegal? All over the world, Christianity is illegal. You know, in Kenya, in the north, we're blessed. We get to work in the, in the southwest part of the country. The northeast part of the country is horrific for Christians. It's not a fun place to be if you're a Christian. Just last week, a bus, load of, was, a bus was pulled over, and whoever didn't uh, recite this commitment to the Quran and to Muhammad were just gunned down in one of the, the towns near Somalia. Christianity is hated in much of the world. It's hated here. It's just not as blatant as it is in other places yet. You see? Huh? Unless you bring it up. Unless you bring it up. Yeah, and I, I've got to commend Tracy. She's literally suffered over the last couple of months for the name of Christ. Friendships severed simply because she shared the gospel. You know, praise the Lord for that. See, that's the paradox of Christianity. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's I didn't what she... text that to them, but I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> These things will happen more and more. And when a sister or a brother goes through that, we need to recognize that. You see? That's helped me a lot over the last few years. Will this decade be a decade of revival for the church or apostasy? That is a very important and complex question in light of the current environment of the visible church. Will the decade that we're moving into be a decade of revival or apostasy? Now, if you go down and you talk to the circus leaders at Bethel, they're going to say, we're having a great revival right now. The church is spreading all over the world. You see? This is where it gets very frustrating and it can get very confusing because you got a lot of people in the church saying there's a revival happening, but what is it? It's, not, it's evil. It's contrary to Christ. It's not a revival. It's decay and apostasy and corruption that's being sown all over the world. You see? It's so important for us to push back against that. And if we can look back and say there was a period of revival in the 2020s that it was a true revival and we got to be a part of it. As far as my opinion on that, I think there's going to be a revival, but I think it's going to be in a very small percentage of the church. I think the true church will be a very small portion of the church going forward, but it will be growing radically in the Spirit. I think we're going to see much more of the work of the true Holy Spirit strengthening and edifying and helping us do things that are way beyond what we can imagine in the next 10 years in the true church, fighting back against what's going on falsely in the name of Christ. What might you look back on? This is important. What might you look back on personally as a Christian on December 29th, 2029? If you go ahead 10 years and you look back, did you grow and mature in the Lord? Did you live sacrificially or did you live selfishly? Did you endure and suffer for the name of Christ or did you compromise for the world? Did you enter into the harvest 
and enter into the battlefield, or did you sit apathetically on the sidelines? Were you on fire for the Lord and his gospel, or lukewarm and tepid, contributing little or nothing in the cause of the gospel? I think these are radical questions to ask ourselves, especially this day and age. You see, when things are as they are, what do we want to look back on exactly 10 years from now? Say, wow, look what we did. You know? Look what the Lord let us be a part of. Look what we were blessed with. Or do we look back and go, wow, look at all the money I made and all the stuff I got, you see? And it's all just fleeting. I mean, these I think these are the questions that really we need to consider personally as families and as a church going forward. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Will the treasure that you acquire over the next 10 years be corruptible treasure or eternal treasure? Where will that treasure be in 10 years? I'll close with 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So in this coming time, we need to look to Christ. We need to abide in his word. We need to proclaim the gospel, and we need to obey Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And as tiny as we are, it's amazing what is taking place with what we've been blessed with. You see? It's amazing. I mean, Benson tells me, he says, he can't understand how people just keep coming to his church. You know? He said, it's, it's crazy. And now Patrick's telling me the same thing. He said, in Nairobi, the two branches we have there, people just keep coming. You see? Praise the Lord. And a lot of it is this. Because they're watching this every Sunday, and now they're sharing it, and they're taking the messages, and they're sharing it. And the word is getting out that there's truth in this place. It's not, nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with just the truth. John 14, 6. See, that's what people there are hungry for. Ask Wyatt. It was freaky. Nairobi, the, the, the night we stayed there before we left, all of a sudden, six in the morning, hey, ah, 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 there's the Muslim prayer thing going on, you know, all throughout the city. I heard that and I woke up. I had no idea that that was so prevalent there, that they have those prayers broadcast all across the city, you know. Then what was amazing is a couple hours later, we're heading to church, and as you're driving through certain neighborhoods, you're hearing Christians singing, you see? So there's these little cells of Christianity amongst all that, and now we get to have a profound effect on that by sharing the gospel. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's just amazing. And all the people that are now being reached through Recovery Reformation, I had a 
a guy who I've been speaking to for the last month who was in AA for 10 years and um, two months ago, he's like, something's really wrong. And he just started seeking truth and he came across the website. He's become a believer. And now him and I are in constant contact. And he's, he's, he's just thrilled to be able to share the gospel with people that are trapped not only in addiction, but in these false teachings, these recovery programs. All these things are happening simply because people want truth. And I think this is what's going to be exciting as we go forward into the coming 10 years. And we're going to be entering a battle zone. It's going to be more difficult going forward, but it's going to be more blessed, and it's going to be brighter and more glorious because we're in the battle. You see, I would much rather be in a battle than be bored. You see, and we don't have to be bored. We are engaged in the most important battle we can be engaged in as we go forward. So to close out 2019, I want to, before we take the offering and Tracy leads us in a couple songs, I want to thank everyone who has helped throughout 2019 because we have gotten help from people in here and we've gotten help from people that watch online and people that have come through our website um, and our reach continues to grow you know it just keeps reaching more and more and in this coming year obviously we need more and more support as we go forward to take advantage of all the opportunities that have been given to us but we are in a position to accomplish so much if we just put our noses to the grindstone, we live sacrificially, and we take care, we take advantage of every opportunity that the Lord puts before us to share the gospel as we go forward. So praise the Lord. Um, I'm just, I'm excited, you know. Um, you could get depressed and you could get upset when you look at what's going on in the, in the country and the world and politically and everything else, but if you really look at it, from a Christian perspective, you think, man, this is a cool time to be alive, you know? I mean, I know we're drawn towards the end times, mainly for two things. One seems simplistic. There's earthquakes everywhere, like like off the scale. I mean, I just read two articles this week, and the, the amount of earthquakes happening around the world are like nothing anybody's ever seen. They said California in the last week, there's like scientists that aren't surprised if it just breaks off. <laughs> it's been shaking so much. Um, and then the apostasy in the church is one of the signs of the end times. Many will be led astray, will fall away and follow false teachings. That's one of the signs that we're entering a very special time in the history of the church. So praise the Lord that we get to be a part. Thank you for listening to The Way Radio. You can find us on the web at thewayradio.net. And you can also find us on Facebook at The Way Radio Group. You can email me questions or comments to chad at the way the letter R122.org. I'd love to hear your questions, your comments, if you have any ideas for future episodes, or if you have been uh, freed from addiction or you have a testimony that you'd like to share on the show, please email me so we can talk about that. Until next time, God bless.